It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The following is a presentation of Radio.com Sports. Radio.com Sports presents Big Time Baseball Players Edition. I'm Tony Gwynn Jr. alongside Ben Davis, and we've got a terrific show today. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about some new clubs, poss- a new club possibly being invented this year with Christian Yelich and a possible 50-30 guy. We'll also track uh, Acuna Jr.'s uh, 40-40 attempt as he starts to close the gap on that. We've got the National League wild card, which continues to stay tight. And we'll talk a lot about the other divisions as well as this season gets to the closing end. Big Time Baseball Players Edition is a part of Radio.com, which allows you to listen to your favorite radio stations for free anytime, anywhere. Uh, You can listen to over 300 stations and over 1,100 podcasts explored by location or genre to find music, news, and sports from your own location or across the country. You can follow Radio.com Sports on Twitter at RDC Sports. Ben, uh, before we get into the show, let's kind of talk, tell, tell, tell the listeners a little bit about ourselves. Uh, again, my name is Tony Gwynn Jr. Uh, I played parts of, I played eight big league seasons in different uh, cities: San Diego, Los Angeles, uh, Philadelphia, and Milwaukee. Uh, I then transitioned in 2016. Uh, to the broadcasting game. Uh, there's no better place to continue your education of baseball than at the big league level. So I've been blessed to uh, be able to not only play the game, but now talk about the game. Ben? Uh, great great to be here with you, Tony Gwynn Jr. We've known each other forever. And uh, this is <laughs> yes, doing, this every, doing this every week with you. It's a pleasure. Uh, my name is Ben Davis. Played parts of seven seasons with the Padres, the Mariners, and the White Sox. And uh, this will be my. This is my fifth year in the uh, in the television booth doing color for the Philadelphia Phillies on NBC Sports Philadelphia. And when I'm not in the booth, I do the pre and post game shows for the Phillies 
back in Philadelphia. So uh, we're down here with the ball club in Miami and uh, just ready to get this thing going. We only got a few games to go. Hard to believe. Right. I mean, the season has gone by relatively quickly, but I mean, there's still a lot of unfinished business left in this season as far as, you know, pennants, as far as wild cards, as far as home run leaders. Let's start there. This home run chase has gotten really ridiculous. Got, I think, four guys with 40 home runs at this point. Uh, Trout and Bellinger leading the way. Who do you think wins this bad boy? I, I think it ultimately it's going to go to Yelich. I just think this guy is mm. he's a man possessed, and I think he's just going to I I just think he's going to continue to do what he did last year in the month of of August. He'll finish out August and do what he did in September. He just has a uh, just a knack for it. I think Bellinger, with as violent as he swings, I think at some point he's got to slow down. Um, but they don't show any signs of slowing down. No. <laughs> they really don't. But I just think if if, if Yelich is his back continues to hold up, um, I know he's on the IL for a little bit with some back issues, but I just think his swing is more conducive to driving some balls out later in the, in the season. I'm not saying I, Bellinger can't do it, but Bellinger, that's an awfully violent swing. I, I don't uh, I don't doubt that his swing is certainly uh, – more set up to to finish strong, but that back thing becomes a little bit of an issue. But since we're on the subject of Yelich, I mean, this guy has a chance at a 50-30 club. I, I think he would be the first in the club, and so I, I guess he would be starting the club himself. Uh, I think the closest to 50-30 was A-Rod. He had 50 home run, 54 home runs and 24 stolen bases. Before that, it was made. So there's really been no player that's really come close other than those two guys I mentioned. Yeah, you talk about the perfect combination of speed and power. Obviously, Christian Yelich has it. And if you stand next to Christian Yelich, he's one of those guys, he's sneaky big, right? Like He's like Cal Ripken or Derek Jeter. Like They don't look that big when they're out on the field, but when you stand next to him, you're like, man, alive, I can't believe you're this big. And he's one of those guys. Yeah, and, is. you know, obviously the power's there. But when you see this guy run, how efficient he is around the bases – He's, he's, first of all, he's, he's unbelievable from first to third or yes, second to home. Yes. He's so good. But when you see him take off, he's actually really quick. You're like, man, how can a guy that's that big with legs that long be able to be that quick to second base? And I, I think he's got a good shot to be the first 50-30 guy. I mean, shoot, he's got a chance to be the first 50-25 guy. Nobody's even done that. So uh, he's a lot closer to that than he is to 50-30 at this point. But you bring up a good point. I remember watching him in his early days in Miami, and that was the one thing that stuff. He was really tall, kind of looked goofy, but once he starts picking him up and putting him down, he, I think you said the key word, he's as, as efficient as a, of a runner as we have in our game, especially with the turns, you know, first to third, First to home, he is super efficient, and I think that's why he covers so much ground. But uh, I always saw the speed part. This offensive part over the last two years has been mind-blowing. I, I don't think anybody – I think everybody could see a batting title in his in his future. He was a, a, a good contact hitter, but the power stuff that he's, he's really started to tap into since his time in Milwaukee, I, I, any scout telling you they saw that, I think they'd be lying. Yeah, my only my only concern though with Yelich is the fact that I think I, Milwaukee has a good lineup. They do. I, nobody's yeah. questioning that. But I think with Bellinger, I think Bellinger's going to be able to get a few more pitches to hit because of the depth in that lineup. <clears throat> He's got a little bit more 
protection behind him. So he's, you know, it's not like, oh, I got Bellinger up. I just, I'm going to walk him. I'll get to the guy behind him. <laughs> right, right. They, you don't have that option with the Dodgers. However, with Milwaukee, you got some guys that can be a little streaky from time to time. If Yelich doesn't get any protection, he's just not going to get pitches to hit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, listen, Yelich, uh, Bellinger, Trout, probably the top three guys in this game right now as far as you know what you know being able to do multiple things i can't forget uh i can't forget acuna jr because clearly he's put his name in that that hat too but let's talk a little bit about trout i mean he's surpassed his uh his his home run totals uh in his career i mean just when you think this guy can't do anything more now he's showing you that even on the power side there's still more to his game to add ben you know, we, we touched on this a little while ago, and it was nice to, the other day, we were up in Boston, and they had a, it was one of the, it was a day game, it was actually a, a day-night doubleheader in Texas, and it was the Texas first the Angels, and I got a chance to watch Mike Trout. And it was one of those things, because being on the on the East Coast, we just never get to watch the guy. Yeah. So they start this first game, and it's it's 1,005 degrees, and in Arlington for a day game and Mike Trout comes up second. What does he does? He hits a two run homer, just like Mike Trout does. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? It's almost a crying shame that the rest of the country doesn't get to see this on a regular basis. Yeah, this guy, I, you know, I, I know there's different talk and, and it's hard to say, is he the best of all time? In my opinion, and you may have heard me say it before, in my opinion, Barry Bonds, I know there's a lot of this, you know, speculation out there as to, you know, things that may, he may have taken or whatever. But in my opinion, Barry Bonds is the best baseball player that ever walked the face of the earth. Some say it's Willie Mays. Now people are saying it's Mike Trout. Is he that good? Well, you know what? The numbers are starting to prove he possibly is that good. <laughs> he is. I mean, and it's funny you bring up Barry Bonds because one of Mike Trout's teammates, at least from the offensive side, greatest offensive player of all time, right? On the, on one of Mike Trout's teammates, obviously, is Albert Pujols. Um, and... It's when you look at his career numbers, you look at uh, and you compare him against a Bonds. Could could Albert Pujols get into that goat conversation when it comes to the offensive side of the game? Clearly, Barry Bonds was a more complete player than Albert was, I, in my opinion. But on the offensive side, it, is there a chance Pujols could get in there? We don't really hear Pujols' name when it comes to the goat as far as offensive off, offensive side of baseball. We hear Mike Trout's name, who's far younger. Hasn't done it as long, but we did very rarely hear Albert Pujols' his name. Yeah, you know, you're saying he's not the complete player. When he was younger, he would steal a few bases. He's a three-time That's MVP. That's true. That's true. You know, he's got two gold gloves. He has a batting title. Um, you know what? Is he the, one of the greatest of all time? I think he can put him in that category, especially for, when it comes to right-handed hitters. I think you're looking at a few guys. Obviously, Mays is there. Um, but you, you have to look at Pools. I mean, the, he currently has 652 home runs. Yes. Uh, he's just a guy that you look through the numbers, and you're like, wait, these numbers cannot be real. He's a guy that plays every day, you know, with the exception of back in 2013, um, you know, he didn't play as many games. He only played 99 games. He was on the IL. But he's a guy that you can just pencil him in every day. Um, and he's one of those special guys. I remember when he first came up and he came to San Diego and he, he stepped in the box. He's one He's one of those guys that has that aura, that presence he does. about him. He does. Even at such a young age, 
it's like okay uh who are we dealing with here this is a, this is a different guy this is a different type of hitter and i think yes tony you can put him up there as one of the best of all time just as a as a hitting nerd i, I like to call myself he uh he probably uses his uses his lower half better than anybody I've ever seen swing a baseball bat. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it's it's amazing. He if, if I'm going to teach a kid how to use her lower half, his, I'm using him as my first example because for a guy that big and that spread out to watch his lower half work the way it does. And I think that's probably why you've seen the decline, you know, over the course. He's gotten older, you know, as, as you and I both know, as you get older, those legs, it's a little bit harder to stay in those legs when you're swinging a baseball bat. But he certainly has done, I think, the best job of, of using his lower half, and he should be considered in that GOAT. Let's flip over to the National League MVP race because we've talked about Bellinger, we talked about Yelich, but we really haven't talked about Acuna Jr., right? This kid is closing in on 40-40. That is obviously one of the last guy to do it was Afonso Soriano. Before him, it was A-Rod. So uh, it hasn't been done in, in a long time, but Acuna Jr. is closing in on it. Yeah, and he's starting to be in that category. And, we, and un, unfortunately for for us with the Phillies, we don't we have to see him all too much. Um, but it's starting to get to that point where you, you can't really. There's not a pitch he can't hit because of his ability to go line to line with you know, home run opportunities. Um, I think he's that guy where okay, we'll try and get him down and in. If he stays through pitches, he keeps him fair. He'll hit you down the left field line. You say okay, we'll go up up and away. And then he'll take you out to right center, or he'll take you right down the line in right field. Dead center, forget about it. I mean, this guy is that good. I love watching him play. Um, I think he learned a little lesson last week and not running balls out. And I think that's going to pay dividends for him personally in the long run. I know it's a team sport, but I think this is it for him to do that, having to sit down and, and watch his teammates go out there and play. I think this is going with Snicker benching him for not running that ball out. I think it's going to be pay dividends for him down the road only going to make him better which is really really scary for him to get yeah. better i mean it, you know hats off to snicker for for taking that challenge because there's a lot of managers that would have bypassed it to be honest nowadays and kudos to acuna jr for accepting his responsibility and and, and and taking fault for for where he realized he was wrong at but you look at his numbers 296 He's four homers away from 40. He's 11 bags away from 40 uh, in the stolen base category. And the crazy part, I think you just hit on it, uh, Ben, is that he's just scratching the surface, man. Like, yeah, he is. He, he, he's just really realizing how good he can be offensive. I remember back or one of our shows right after the All-Star game, and one of the things you talked about was him going line-to-line in home run derby. Mm-hmm. That is that is something you don't see in home run derby, but no. I think it, it speaks to the type of hitter he is. He's not just your one dimensional power guy, as you say. He can go line to line with power. He can go line to line with line drives if he needs to. And I think as he gets more experience, the the power, the ribbies, the stolen bases will stay the same, at least in his younger ages. But the average is going to start to climb as he learns how to handle these pitchers more often. With, without a doubt, Tony, without a doubt, I think that average is going to continue to go up. And I know we don't really have it in our in our guidelines of what we're going to talk about, but can we touch on the, the running balls out issue real quickly? Yeah, 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 I, let's I, do it. I, 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 it's really an epidemic in the game, and there's a time and a place, and, and believe me, I'll be the first one to tell you, if you hit a, a chopper back to the pitcher, 
I don't need you going 100%. If you're an everyday guy playing 162 games, I don't need you busting it 100% down the line. I don't. But you know what? Give me give me 80%. How about 80%? Let's, let's make the cutoff there. Give me 80% busting it down the line. But I'm seeing guys, well, we saw it last night in Boston, a couple guys on that team hitting just you know routine ground balls, but guys are completely shutting it down. I mean, yeah. I'm not talking 80%. I'm talking maybe 45%. Yeah. And you know, the crazy thing is it doesn't even have to be 80. You know, it's it's all about the appearance of it, right? If right. it appears that you're running hard, doesn't mean you're running 100%. Doesn't even mean you're running 70. It just looks that way. And yeah. I, just, I, I just think you got to have an awareness of what it looks like when... It doesn't look like you're running hard. And listen, I'm, I'm, listen, I get it. I, I know the reach. Listen, there aren't very many guys, if any, at this point that play 162 games in a year. And right. so we'll, we'll put the cutoff, let's say, at 145. If you're playing 145 games a year, you still can run at a pace that at least gives the illusion that you're running hard. You know what I'm saying? And you're exactly. right. You're, you're seeing far too many guys. Um, who, who, quite frankly, aren't even playing 145 games Man. that aren't that aren't running at least given the appearance that they're running hard. And it, it's it's it, I think it started with the analytics, right? They started telling guys, you know what, your body's not made to play 162 games. We're gonna give you rest here, and you know I think that starts to bleed into the player's psyche. Now this it, this isn't a, a, something that just started. I mean, this goes back to when I was watching you play, when I was watching my dad play. There's always mm-hmm. been guys. That you know, for whatever reason, don't run a hundred percent, but are not even hundred. Don't run seventy percent, right. but there seems to be a way more of it now, including guys that ain't even playing every day that are doing it, which really irritates me. I'm not. Yeah, I'm it's very just honest. it's like an epidemic. It really is, and I always tell people, listen. I always ran as hard as I could. I just wasn't going very fast. <laughs> so, again, again, it's the illusion. Get the appearance. <laughs> right. 100%. Let's, let's talk a little bit about this National League East race as a whole. I mean, you still got some good teams in there. I think Atlanta's has taken the, the, the mantle, at least for now, at top of the National League East. But there's still some teams in there competing for a wild card. And that includes the Mets. That includes the Phillies. Uh, Washington is, is has one of the wild card spots. Um, how do you see this race shaking out? Because, listen, the Braves continue to make moves, right? They made the moves at the deadline to, to bolster their bullpen. They go out, and they, after Billy Hamilton is designated for assignment, the Braves bring him in. Uh, they seem to be making moves for a long, a deep run in the playoffs this year. Yeah, they're you know what they're six games up currently. Uh, the, the team is so good, and the thing about the Braves is they haven't gone into that slump this season. They haven't done it from a pitching standpoint. They haven't done it from an offensive standpoint. They really have been the most consistent team that I've seen play the entire season. Now, this Washington Nationals team, you talk about some guys that are swinging the bats right now, and Anthony Rendon is ridiculous. His payday at the end of the season is going to be something else. Ooh, I don't know if his, he's going his, to... his price tag just keeps going up with every game. It's, he's, an, he's an extra base machine. I don't think he's going to get 10 years like Machado and Harper got because of his age. But he's going to get five, six years, and it's going to be a payday. Back the Brinks truck up. He's going to get it. But he's been so good for that team. But I... I think at some point the Braves have to really go into that kind of swoon where they just lose 
five out of six games. They haven't done it all season, but the way the Nationals are playing, I know they're six games back. I know they're, the time is running out. I would not count the Nationals out of this thing. Okay. Um, I, I really wouldn't, but it's going to be tough to overcome this Braves team. There's a team that's playing with a lot of confidence, but I wouldn't count the Nats out. They're playing really good baseball. Now let's shift to that. Uh, let's shift to that National League wild card race. Now you got a bunch of teams still in this bad boy. Even you could still probably consider Cincinnati in this bad boy at seven and a half out. But for the most part, you got the Mets, you got the Phillies, you got the Brewers. They're they're all within three games. Mets and the Phillies are within one and a half. Now St. Louis, uh, they lose a game basically because uh, of a rain delay. Should, do you think there should be some rules for these rain delays and, and how it hurts or helps teams that are in pennant race? Yeah, I do. I like today the the, uh, the Boston Red Sox have to stay at home. They were supposed That's to right. fly out, but they have to finish a, a game in, in the tenth inning. I mean, it could be one pitch and the game's over. You know, <laughs> right. uh, I think games like that should be should be waited out till the end of the season. Uh, I think there needs to be a better policy for that because I think it only all it does is hurt teams uh, with the travel and things like that. You got guys traveling. I mean, like, t- take the Phillies for instance. I know the Phillies are off today in Miami, but the bottom line, we got I got to bed last night at five twenty-five. I turned the light off at five twenty-five a.m. this morning. Mm. So with the travel, I know it's is that why you're so cranky this morning. <laughs> It wasn't that cranky. <laughs> it wasn't that cranky. Maybe a little cranky, but um, you know, it's. I think there's something should be put in place. But that and the NL wild card. There's a bunch of teams pulling for the top. I would say maybe the Mets uh, have the higher. I know they're tied with the Phillies currently, but uh, I would say the Nets. The Mets might have the slight advantage because of the starting rotation. That starting rotation is ridiculous. Um, I know Stroman may have to go on the IL now, but with the other four guys in that rotation, you can't count them out. And they got the polar bear, Peter Alonzo. He's doing his thing and continue <laughs> to do his thing. The polar bear. Let's talk about your Philly squad because uh, they're one and a half out of this race. And it just seems like they won't go away. Even when they're playing lackluster, they're still leave the door still left open for them in this wild card. Can they pull this off with only really Nola being their most consistent starter? And then I want you to talk a little bit about toe-tapping Bryce Harper because all of a sudden this man is toe-tapping and balls are leaving the yard at a little bit higher frequency than they were earlier this season. Yeah, uh, he's been great to watch. But uh, getting back to your first question, can the Phillies do it? It, If they're going to, they're going to have to hit. Uh, This offense has been so inconsistent throughout the course of the season. Actually, the pitching has not been that bad. Uh, and I can't believe I'm saying that because of, you know, they lost Arietta with the bone chips in his elbow. He has not been great. Nick Pavetta moved to the bullpen. Zach Eflin moved the bullpen. Now he's back in the rotation. Uh, Vince Velasquez has been pretty steady. Uh, Jason Vargas has been pretty steady. Nola is unbelievable. I am I know I don't want to sound like a homer, but I think he's one of the, the top 10 starting pitchers in all of baseball. He is just amazing what he just did to the Boston Red Sox the other night with that offense. Uh, seven innings, just two earned runs. He's phenomenal. Um, Bryce Harper's been really, really good, and we were kind of waiting for him to go on that tear where he's where he hits 10, 12 home runs in a month. Uh, he's been that guy. He's going to take a couple days here to watch uh, the birth of his first child, so um, he's not going to be here in this series in, in Miami. 
but uh, he's been great for this offense. He's been toe tapping, uh, when, <laughs> and it's it's been working. I wouldn't say it's it's. And I did a, a piece on this the other night uh, back in the in the studio. Uh, I I kind of equated it to Chipper Jones. I think he was he was the number one toe tapper that I've ever seen. He was yeah. that guy, and he did it from both sides of the plate. But Bryce Harper is the guy that, you know, he gets the two strikes, he's spreading out a little bit more. We saw him do it last night where he doesn't even take a stride. He just lifts his heel up and it goes right back down, kind of like what Albert Pujols did in the first part of his career um, and drove a ball out over the monster. He's been really good. He's, he's on pace for 33 and 116. So I think if you ask any Phillies fan if they'd be content with that for that $330 million contract, I think they would say, yes, I'm happy with that. Absolutely. I mean, 33-116, I don't there ain't too many ain't too many big leaguers in the game that can, that can give you those type of numbers. Uh let's switch over to the American League and and the Central comes to mind really quick because our last conversation Cleveland was closing the gap. They had closed the gap and actually had first base but first place, but now Minnesota finds himself with a three-game lead and they continue to keep the the Cleveland Indians at bay. Yeah, it's it's really amazing. You take a look at it, how they're able to do it. It's offense, right? You got Nelson Cruz, who's 39 years old. He hit a ball yesterday that was 117 off the bat. Exit velo of 117. It was a That's single. <laughs> it was a single. <laughs> but still, 117. How does this guy continue to do it? it? It blows my mind. I know he had a short little stint on the IL um, with, with some wrist injuries, but he's back. But this team just mashes baseballs. They I don't do. know if they have the starting pitching to go deep into the playoffs, but they are really holding off this Cleveland Indians team. And, you know, it's kudos to them because they're doing it, and that offense continues to, to do what they do. And it doesn't help for Cleveland. You, you know, you're on the verge of getting Corey Kluwer back, and bam, he gets put back on the I.O. with some oblique strain. Or not back on the I.O., but he's going to be a little bit longer with an oblique injury. Uh, that certainly has to um, kind of give Cleveland pause. Fortunately for them, uh, they still are atop the uh, wild card. So whether they can win the division or not remains to be seen. Another team in that AL wild card uh, holding down that spot, at least tied for that second spot, is Oakland and Tampa Bay. They're both uh, 73 and 53 and 174 and 54. They have them tied. Uh, you look at that Oakland team, and you know it's not that much of a surprise considering that they did this last year. But the surprising part is that they're doing it without the production of you could say the most consistent player, uh, Chris Davis. He's three straight years. He's had the same exact numbers. He's a little bit below that this year, though. Yeah, he was hit 247 for the last three years, which you, you look at it on, on the back of the baseball card, you're like, wait, this got to be a typo. But no, that's what he's done. Um, he did it a home run last night. He's a guy that is very streaky. Uh, talk about a guy that can go line to line. He's yeah. not a big guy, but that swing, he kind of puts his foot in the bucket and just just bails and wails. And uh, I love, he's one of my favorite hitters to watch because you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, and a guy, again, with not not a huge guy, but when he gets it, man, it goes. I think if this team uh, does make the playoffs, I think Chris Davis is going to have to be a big part of that. Uh, off subject a little bit. It, it's a really off subject because the team is nowhere near a playoff race, but they have... I think quickly become one of the best pitchers in the game, and that's Giolito for the White Sox. I mean, yeah. this guy just continues to not only carve up teams, but carve up really good offensive teams as well. Yeah, I saw him do that yesterday to the Twins. Um, you know, he just went out there and dealt, and basically doing it with two pitches. 
uh, and neither none of them were spinning. Fastball changeup, and he did mix in a couple breaking balls, but it was fastball changeup, righties, lefties. He was really, really good, and offset that lineup uh, that continues to hit the ball out of the ballpark at an alarming rate. Um, but yeah, I agree. He is Giolito has really turned himself around. That season he had last year was, well, this just this just be honest, it was terrible. And yeah. the, that the, the fact that he found himself back in the rotation this year and to be able to turn around, you know, kudos to him for being able to do that. You know, we can't have a podcast without talking about the Dodgers. I mean, they they uh, seem like a team that is destined to get to a wor- another World Series. Uh, that we've talked about it many, many times, right? You, you, they keep bringing up young guys that not only are young, but they come up and produce. Will Smith, uh, the catcher that they bring up, they end up walking off again last night. Max Muncy uh, hits a walk-off homer against Toronto. Do you see anything stopping this this squad uh, from getting deep into the playoffs, from getting into another World Series at this point? Kenley Jansen. Mm, I do. Um, I love him to death. I love watching him pitch. I love his style. He just doesn't have it anymore. I, that cutter ain't cutting. And his, you know, when he does try and un- unleash it, it, it flattens out and it strays the string. Um, the velocity is down. The cutter's not cutting. You got. You have to have that guy. Every every World Series champion has that guy at the end of it. We just we're just up in Boston and they were honoring the the World Series team. They had Keith Folk. Remember Keith Folk came in? Guy pitched every game and he, he was, seemed like he was it, at least, right? Right, every game, but he was that guy and when he came in the game, it was over. Kenley Jansen is not that guy anymore. He's not that shutdown closer. Uh, if they don't win it this year, this will be their third time. The door's starting to close a little bit on the Dodgers. Um, if they don't win this year, I think it's going to be because of that bullpen and the back end, especially Kenley Jansen. That was my point a few weeks back when I was when I had my little rant about the Braves going out and, and acquiring, what, I think it was like four bullpen arms that they added to the back end. The Dodgers, on the other hand, don't do anything you know they don't do well at least they don't do anything on the pitching side and I I could see this coming Ben I really can't I can see a scenario in which they have to face the Braves and those arms come through for the Braves and the back end arms for the Dodgers don't come through and I think that would be a terrible sway to end this run that they've been on uh the last few years now a little bit of uh, uh, uh you know the major league uh, MLB.com released a an all debut team right and and this kind of Talks a little bit about some of the Dodgers. I mean, Will Smith is on it. As you called him, the polar bear. Pete Alonzo is on there. Fernando Tatis Jr., Vlad Jr., Brian Reynolds, Oscar Mercado, and, and, and Mike Yastrzemski. This squad looks like an all-star squad already. I, I take I take him on my team any day of the week. Um, it, again, it gets back to what we had discussed before. The state the game is in right now. It's in a really good state because we have a lot of young guys that are coming up, and they're going to. It, it gives the fans a chance to follow these guys for an extended period. They're not coming up when they're 28, 29 years old, right. playing for five years or four or five years and shutting it down. Uh, these are good, really, really good young guys, and they're fun to watch. Look, Tatis Jr. I was mad when the Padres came to town in Philly last weekend, and I couldn't see Tatis Jr. play because he, you know, he's got that back the back issue. He's going to be out most likely the rest of the season. You know, I was upset I didn't get to see him. But this is you talk about some of these names. You know, Brian Reynolds, Fernando Tatis, Keston Hira. It's been dynamite for the Milwaukee Brewers. 
you know, kind of flying under the radar of Christian Yelich and Ryan Braun. But these guys are really good. Will Smith, what he's doing in, with, with Dodgers, it's not just with the bat, but he's a very good defensive catcher as well. So the state of the game is really good with a lot of these young guys. See, ladies and gentlemen, that's what happens when you have a good partner. See, I didn't know how to say Keston Hero's name, so I purposely <laughs> avoided it so that Ben would say it, and now I know how to say it, so it's all good. <laughs> do you, do, Ben, do you think this is the best uh, rookie class we've seen? Yes, in, in, in the last couple decades, absolutely. Um, and, and this is, you know, I think with the exception of Mike Yastrzemski, who's the, he's the elder statesman, I guess you could call him, on this list, um, you know, I, I think, yeah, we're this is the really good class. And these guys, Vlad Jr., uh, Pete Alonzo, Will Smith, Brian Reynolds. I mean, Brian Reynolds, doesn't he gets zero notoriety because he plays zero, zero, zero. But this dude can flat out rake. It, it's it, it's fun to watch. He's not a big guy, but he just gets his hits. Um, but, yeah, I think it's, it's one of the best teams, one of the uh, best young class we've seen in quite a while. Yeah, shout out to the Eckstein brothers out in Pittsburgh helping those young guys uh, from the offensive standpoint. They've had a lot of offensive standouts this year. Not necessarily the best team, but a lot of standouts. Uh, okay, in a few minutes, we will be joined by uh, Astros voice Jeff Blum as we talk a little bit of Astros baseball. Well, joining us now is Jeff Blum, a former big leaguer for several big league clubs, including the Houston Astros the team which he is currently a color analyst for. You can find Jeff Blum at Blummer27. Jeff, thanks for coming on with us today. Great to be on with you guys again. It's awesome. Yeah, first and foremost, I, I just want to get to – I know you guys are swinging some hot bats right now, and that is – you know, it, it really is a joy to watch. Everybody's healthy. Everybody's doing their thing down there in Houston. But I, I want to talk about the, the ageless wonder, and that's Justin Verlander. This guy – I really can't put my finger on just how good he is, how good he is for that ball club, and to be able to pitch in that ballpark just blows my mind. It does, and I know he gets a little frustrated like we saw last night giving up a couple of home runs, one pretty legit, the other one maybe he blew the guy up and helped it get out of the ballpark with his velocity. But the thing I've been most impressed with, and I think what the Astros noticed too, is that when they traded for him in 2017, he seemed to be getting healthier as the season was going on. So his second half numbers in 2017 were getting good. And then he shows up here. And like you were saying, in the analytic world, a guy of Justin Verlander's age doesn't fit their their metrics or their algorithms. There's regression uh, metrics that show that he should be regressing and not being as good as he is. But he showed up here in Houston and he's been everything is advertised and he's kind of gone back to that uh, Cy Young type form that he had with the Detroit Tigers because the velocity's up. He's created an unbelievable wipeout slider. The spin on the curveballs back and he's got a changeup that he's been talking to Nolan Ryan about and he's created the swing and miss again. And to the point of the swing and miss last season in 2018, he set a career high at the age of 35 with 290 strikeouts in a season. Yeah, there's clearly he's gotten better with age. And since we're on the subject of Justin pitching last night against his former ball club, Blumber, can you give us some insight to what went on after the game? I know there was some uh, issues with some Detroit media that wasn't allowed in the press conference. Justin didn't seem to be too happy about it. What was going on there? You know, obviously there's, you, you know, you guys know being in the clubhouse and having to deal with the media that sometimes there, there, there are conflicts of personality mm. and Justin being in Detroit for 12, 13 years, 
Um, I'm not sure if it was a particular reporter or if it was with the paper, but I did walk through the tunnel last night and I noticed our head PR guy talking to somebody from the Detroit uh, press pool out in the hallway, which is normally, and it was around the same time that, uh, you know, Justin would be talking to reporters inside the clubhouse, but I just kind of put my head down, motored on by and got in my car, went home. And as, as I get home, I'm reading the reports that, you know, he denied or he declined, I shouldn't say denied, he declined the opportunity to talk to uh, the Detroit Free Press. And I'm not sure who the uh, beat writer for them, I'm not sure if it has to do with the paper or that uh, the certain person who is doing the interviewing, but uh, he made it pretty clear from what I hear before the game and yeah. before Detroit even got here that he would like to have somebody else represent the Detroit Free Press. Hmm. So it kind of gives me the idea it might be that certain person, but he, I also read that he just put out uh, uh, something on Twitter trying to explain the situation between him, the free press, and maybe this reporter. So hopefully it gets ironed out because it is kind of discouraging when you see guys not be able to go in and interview a guy. But in order for Justin to say no, there has to be something there previously. Right, right. Yeah, that's something. If you look at this this past offseason and you're looking at all the different signings and the trades, the free agent signings, I think one that's come back to be maybe the number one signing is is Michael Brantley and what yeah. he's meant to the Houston Astros I mean the guy's hitting 334 he's got 18 home runs and he's healthy everyone knew that the healthy Michael Brantley can really help a ball club not able to really stay healthy in Cleveland the last couple of seasons but he's sure doing it for you guys down in Houston he's been amazing and you know having called games for the Astros in the American League since 2013 and some of those road trips through Cleveland he was really that guy in the middle part of the order for the Indians where you said, oh, man, Michael Brantley's coming up with guys on base. Right. And sure enough, he'd get a base hit, drive the runs in, and he would really be that thorn in their side. And now they sign him. And it was, like you said, it was kind of under the radar where he was just, oh, they signed Michael Brantley, gave him a couple years, gave him some pretty good money. But it wasn't the Bryce Harper, Manny Machado type status, obviously. So they just figured he would slide in, be a, be a good player, be a stabilizing force. But he's been an absolute beast in the middle part of that lineup. No matter where AJ puts him, three, four, five, he's done a great job. AJ Hinch, the manager of the Astros, does a great job of giving him days off in left field, giving him some DH days. Uh, they, you know, that helps him stay healthy. But I don't know for whatever reason, it seems like you know guys come over here to the Houston Astros and they get inserted in these lineups where they're so deep. And he's even turned it up a notch because you're right, the average is going to be there. He's competing with DJ LeMayhew to win that American League batting title this year. But the thing that I was shocked about was the ability to go out there and drive doubles in and you know multi-hit games. But his slugging percentages, if he finished right now, his slugging percentage would be the highest of his career. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know, part of what makes the run this year, at least in my opinion, so impressive is you guys have had different key elements out of the lineup at different parts of the season. Yet you guys still have a seven game lead, 80, 81 wins at this point. Um, recently, you had two two guys go on the DL. Pretty big piece. You, you acquired uh, Sanchez from Toronto in the, in the trade deadline. But you also lose uh, Correa to uh, to the IL as well. Is there any concern uh, about Correa, who's been battling this back thing uh, for for a little bit this year? Yeah, and you guys could probably speak to this too. You know, when I get done, is Carlos Correa is a young ball player, came up, I believe, at 21, 22 years old, 
when he is healthy, he is one of the, if not the best shortstop in the league. Already has a rookie of the year under his belt. And for the last three years, I've pretty much come out in spring training and said, this guy is going to be the MVP if he can stay healthy, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And I know it's early in his career, but we've seen him go on the deal with this back injury now for, I think the second or third time. So it creates a little concern in my mind, and I'm sure it does for opposing GMs who might be thinking about him in the future. But on the other hand, it's also, you know, he does have enough time left with the Astros or until free agency to actually correct that. So I kind of hope that he goes out there and gets that back issue taken care of because when he's on the field, he is such a dynamic player, not not just offensively, but defensively. He really changes things and solidifies that defense up the middle for an already great pitching staff. So it makes the pitchers that much better. But when he's in the lineup, you guys saw him hit a 474-foot bomb in Baltimore. The, the dude has freak pop all over the field. But the back issue is the one thing that I think is really, you know, it's not tarnishing him right now, but it definitely is, a, a, you know, a spotlight on that radar where you're kind of like, hmm wonder if he's going to be okay in the future. Jeff, let's talk about his double play partner, and that's Jose Altuve, just getting him back recently. This is a guy, I know you got some big boppers on this club, but I really think that he is your heart and soul. I think, A, because of his size, he's people just kind of gravitate towards him because it's everyone's in awe of what he can do with really just how little he is. But he's back in the swing of things, and he's doing some damage for you too. Yeah, it's great. His legs are healthy. Going into the playoffs last year, he had that, you know, broken kneecap or whatever it was. I don't even know how he played through that, but kind of showed the mentality and the heart of him just being able to play through that injury in the playoffs. He got it corrected in the offseason, kind of a slow start to the season, and he it was kind of nagging him a little bit and maybe had some other compensatory type issues trying to protect it. But since he's come off the IL and in the second half of the season, the, the guy has been on an absolute tear both with the hits and the power numbers. I think he has 22, 23 home runs right now, and his career high was 24, so he should be able to surpass that. Um, but you're right. You know, a lot of people would say at first glance, you know, there's no way this guy is going out and playing MVP-style st- baseball, but he does, and you do gravitate towards him because you want to know how somebody that size is able to create that much power, that much speed. Um, defensively, he's got a ton of range. And the way he plays the game, that's what encourages guys around him, is knowing that he's all of, quote-unquote, five foot six, and he goes out <laughs> and plays as hard as he does and accomplishes those things. It makes you want to go out and work just as hard as he does. You know, Jeff, one of the things that kind of gets – is really untalked about when it comes to this Houston um, this Houston ball club. We, everybody talks about the offense. They talk about the starting pitching. But you don't hear a lot about the bullpen. But it's been one of the more consistent pieces to this team – over the last three, four years. Uh, talk a little bit about what adding uh, Brad Peacock, who was on the I.L. for about two months, uh, adding that addition to that bullpen, what it does for this ball club. Um, it's it's a great addition to have him back in there because we already know that the back end, especially recently with the way Will Harris has been pitching, he's been that guy that can come in and, and cover the sixth and seventh innings if you need it, kind of high leverage situation type guy. But he really sets things up for the setup guy, Ryan Presley, who, when healthy, is absolutely dominant and wipeout. He had an all-star year this year, and it looks like he's getting back to, to full strength. And then you add Roberto Osuna at the back end, who's starting to create a little bit of momentum and a little more confidence in that closer role with all the pitches that he can bring. So you've got your your seven, eight, nine guys. So you're covering the last nine outs of the game, which is great for A.J. Hinch already with this rotation that you have that, that really when they're firing, they get to six innings relatively easily. 
and with the lead. So you're looking for other guys. If they if the starters struggle a little bit, the Astros have really been lacking that bridge guy that can come in in the in the fourth and and get out of an inning, get out of some damage, and come back in the fifth and get through the fifth in order to get to those guys in the back end. So Brad Peacock has been that really versatile guy for AJ Hinch, where he's started, he's been middle relief, he's pitched high leverage late innings, but getting him back and having his his type of stuff to get maybe you know, through six guys in a lineup or maybe one time through the lineup, I think is going to be, you know, truly beneficial, you know, maybe to back up a Wade Miley or if uh, Justin Verlander throws too many pitches in the first five innings, he's a great guy to back him up and get him to the back end of the bullpen. We're here with uh, Jeff Blum from Big Time Baseball Players Edition. You can find Jeff Blum at Blummer27. Jeff, last question for me. Uh, you guys are pretty much wrapping up this American League West. And as you move into the playoffs, what do you think is, is the number one key to you guys winning another world championship? Is it is it your starting rotation and them doing what they do? Or is it this offense that can really carry a team throughout the playoffs? I think the pitching is going to be good. And I think the way that we've seen A.J. Hinch and just going back to 2017, the way he's able to manipulate, you know, the latter portion of the rotation. We saw Lance McCullers and Charlie Morton kind of flip flop in the ALCS and World Series in the in the bullpen. And I think that's where, you know, you might see an Aaron Sanchez, if he's healthy, get back into the back end of that bullpen. And if Josh James can get healthy, get back into that bullpen. So. For me, it's really the bullpen, the consistency of the bullpen, because we've already seen the track record of the Astros rotation for them to be able to get deep in games, pitch well, be able to put down, uh, you know, opposing offenses. And so the bullpen is probably the biggest key for me. But overall, if all of these guys are healthy, especially in the rotation and the offense, they're going to go out there and put up numbers because that lineup for me is just too deep to be able to have to be able to have a rotation put them down in a seven game series would be a daunting task. Well, Jeff, we really appreciate you coming on with us today. It's, uh, you know, it's always great to hear your insight, especially as to what's going on with the Houston Astros, who are just a dynamic team. And uh, once again, you can find Jeff Blum at Blummer27. Jeff, we really appreciate your time today. I appreciate it. Great being on with you guys. Best of luck with what you got going on, man. You too. We'll see you. Well, that does it for this week's episode uh, of Big Time Baseball. Tune in next week. Maybe we go over 2020 uh, decade team. Uh, again, thanks for listening to Radio.com Sports Big Time Baseball Players Edition presented by Radio.com Sports. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast by searching Big Time Baseball. You can also find it on Twitter at RDC Sports. Until next time, Tony Gwynn Jr., Ben Davis. We'll see you next week. This has been a presentation of Radio.com Sports. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? Bell. 
and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 